Hi everyone. The following episode is a free preview of my brand new weekly reset podcast that's for paying subscribers only. If you upgrade to the Reset Extra for just five quid a month, which I'm told is less than a pint these days, you will get exclusive access to this brand new pod series, which is called Club Reset. It's a discussion format. It'll come out every Friday. It's going to feature great group discussion on mental health between me, my mates and the old special guest. You will also get the opportunity to contribute personally to this new series, either with comments online or as coming on air as a special guest once in a while. You'll also get the usual Reset podcast every Tuesday, a day before anyone else gets it. You get a bonus monthly newsletter from me. You get access to our new subscriber-only YouTube channel where you can actually watch us record Club Reset. You'll get early bird discounts on tickets to the live shows that are going to be coming later in the year. And best of all, you'll get to be a part of a little community that I think is both useful and fun. Oh, and of course, you get my undying gratitude too. So, listen to this episode, then upgrade, if you can, to the Reset Extra, either at sanddelaney.substack.com or on our brand new subscriber platform, hubwave.net. All the links are posted with this podcast. Check me out on Twitter at Delaney Man or Instagram at The Reset Sam. Cheers and enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome to Club Reset with me, Sam Delaney. Thank you for subscribing. This is a brand new podcast that's a little bit different to what I've been offering on the Reset so far. This is more of a group vibe. I talk a lot on the Reset and write a lot about the power of sharing and getting together as blokes and sharing your experiences and relating to one another. But the Reset's often quite one way because it's me writing about my experiences or me interviewing my guests about their experiences. So I thought it'd be nice to launch something that had a bit more of a community feel where we just discuss stuff that hopefully you, the listeners, can relate to. And every week I'll be joined at Club Reset by my good pal, Dan Foley, who is here with me now. Hello, Dan. Hello, Sam. As one of your uh, least illustrious guests on the reset, it's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, it's a great honour for you. Uh, that's true. If you want to know more about Dan's story, though, um, you can listen to his episode of The Reset, which was earlier this year. I think it was February, maybe, 2022, um, about Dan's journey, which has led him to being a personal trainer who sort of, you, you specialise in working with burnt-out dads, don't you? Yeah, exactly, because I uh, left my employment by a proper employer in uh, 2019 and I was just at the end of everything. Um, I burnt myself out with too much, like after I'd had kids I was exhausted from like thinking that I could still live that, you know, that younger lifestyle mm. and going out and partying. But then I didn't even, you know, going out and partying stopped and I was just at home and just, you know, I, I just got to a stage in my life where I couldn't go on the way I was doing it. And um, so I had to reset entirely, like every aspect of my life, really, from the way I approached it to like the way that I relieved stress um, and to the how I looked after myself. And that led me to a point where I was like, okay, this has made a big difference in my life. I can actually enjoy life fully now, um, or as fully as is possible. It's still life. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, and then I thought, you know, I've got a story. I've got some experience. I can help other dads in this situation. So, yeah, my business is about being, you know, help building healthy habits um, and particularly trying to help out dads because that's what I am and uh, how I can relate to people. 
that's what I always say in the reset uh, is is that you know I'm not a professional by any means, and I try to avoid avoid giving advice, which by the way is something that we we've, we've made a pact to avoid on this podcast as well. It's very easy when you're talking about things to do with mental health to slip into giving advice, um, and if you hear us do that at any point, then please, please, please ignore us. We are not professionals or experts. I mean, if you're seeing Dan in a professional capacity, he is. He's, you know, a very highly qualified trainer. But in the context of this discussion, this is more about sharing experiences in the hope that other people might relate to it. And and also just in the hope of, like, just normalising these kinds of conversations. Because we're both, we've had similar problems in our lives. You know, a lot of my problems started around that kind of, you know, the burnout that you go through when you try to be the best dad in the world but also have the best career in the world and also have the best social life in the world or at least what you perceive to be the best social life in the yeah. world when you're when you're young and uh, and just realizing that it's not quite possible to sort of combine all of those things but as a result of us going through those things at a similar time and us being old mates we've always found it quite easy really to chat to each other about this stuff but that is i mean i think it's becoming more common amongst blokes and mates, I hope it is, but it still feels like it's much more rare than it is amongst women. I completely agree, and I had this this week has been really about this subject for me as well because I've been talking to mates. I saw someone that I knew from sixth form college down in Brighton at a get together this weekend, and I could tell he wasn't his normal self. Now, it's not my, it's not old Dan's experience that it is easy to reach out to him. You know, mm. I sense that he wasn't you know as happy as he usually is but I wouldn't have even known what to do and sometimes this, the solution is as simple as like picking up the phone and saying hello do you know what mm, I mean and mm. that is a tough thing to do as well because I don't know about you but when I think of phoning someone I think ah, oh, they won't want to hear from me they'll be too yeah. busy to chat and yeah. actually that's something you're talking about what women do better in terms of this sort of mental health um, looking after yourself and getting your feelings talked about is that they're quite good at picking up the phone they're also probably better than we are you know we used to go to the football and we Mm. talked about how it was you know it was partly about the football it was partly about getting together with your mates it was partly about getting drunk but it was the only place that we had to let off steam about Mm. different aspects of our lives and now we go for a walk you know we'll go we'll go and talk and talk walk and talk and that is alien as well the concept you know, it just everyone feels a bit uncomfortable at first with that mm. thought of, right, let's just meet up and talk. Mm. Like, wait, hold on, mm. that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's not sort of how we grew up, really. Yeah, and it's only we've very we've sort of became mates through that sort of football culture, which is very boisterous and very boozy and very leery. But one thing that is interesting is that. I read once that in therapy they found, researchers have found that one of the, the difference between doing therapy for men and women mm. is that they found it, there was a piece of research that they found it much more effective with men if you were sat side by side mm. as opposed to face to face. Right. Me and you at the moment, uh, listener, just to paint a picture for you, are sort of halfway between uh, that because uh, we're kind of diagonal. We're, we're, at, we're willing to admit that there is some yeah. connection, but we're hedging our bets. We have an option to sort of, <laughs> if we do make eye contact, we both have the option to exit that eye contact seamlessly. <laughs> no, but what this research said that 
the men were much better when they were side by side and not having to make eye contact, yeah, that's right? interesting. And when I read that, or someone told me it, I thought about how at football, when we all used to go in the old days to Upton Park and all sit in a row, about seven or eight of us, you would turn up and sometimes all you'd been doing all week was working or, you know, then we, we start to have kids and you sort of, you know, flat out with that. And you'd turn up at the football, have a couple of bits, and then you'd all stand in a line of seven. Mm. And we'd just chat bollocks yeah. for like a lot of the game. If the game was boring, which very often it was, most of the time, we would just like talk for the whole like forty-five minutes until half time. You'd be standing side by side, going, "So what are you up to? What are you doing for work at the moment?" Yeah. Or yeah. Are, you still, are you still when we were younger? It'd be like, "Are you still seeing that girl?" Or what's happening? What are you doing tonight? And you just talk. And I sort of thought that image of being side by side. And I was thinking as well, like, I haven't seen a lot of them, but there's that Seinfeld thing, isn't there, where it's like comedians go in to get coffee. Yeah, they go in the car. And yeah, and I think they chat, and sometimes that gets, from the ones I've seen, that gets pretty deep, yeah. right? And, again, they're driving. Yeah. They're side by side. And I think that there's an intensity to the whole look me in the eye and tell me how you feel that blokes find a bit uncomfortable. And yeah. you can work towards it, and it becomes... You know, it's like anything, with practice it becomes easier. But I think with blokes, the idea of doing an activity that is whilst chatting. Yeah, is much more comfortable yeah. because you've always got the distraction. And if you actually start to tread into territory, which might be bordering on, you know, emotional or getting under the skin mm. a bit, you can easily distract yourself back from it. Uh, you've reminded me of uh, a half story that I have about Native Americans who would never sit, who, mm. uh, who would never... Uh, engage in a business meeting until that they'd made eye contact and they right. I can't remember the word for it but it was a moment where you look at each other for a set amount of time yeah. and then became sort of connected and then you could start to talk yeah. negotiate because you had this connection which you don't get if obviously if you're both staring at something else but um yeah I think it's easing yourself into this stuff, isn't it? I mean, I'm, while you were telling me that story then, I was trying to not, like, lose your eye line. <laughs> when did and, you come I, I know you pretty well. Yeah. And we've probably told each other most of you. We probably know each other's secrets. You probably know a lot more secrets about me than, than a lot of people <laughs> yeah. in the world, right? Um, so I feel, like, pretty comfortable talking to you. But even then, as soon as I sort of started realising we were making eye contact, yeah. I was struggling. This is the theme. Bro. I was struggling. I was like, what the fuck? This is, I, I, why am I looking into Dan's <laughs> eyes? <laughs> it's, it's really difficult. But, yeah, I suppose with blokes and sharing, that's the other thing, right? Going back to you, you talking about your mate and you could see he wasn't happy. This is a really interesting thing. What do you do in those situations? Because I, on the reset, have written loads of times, reach out to your mate. Yeah. Tell mate. Now, when I say that, it's because I definitely know the power of that because mm. I've, I've benefited from it greatly from mm. sharing things with other blokes, hearing blokes be vulnerable, makes me feel more able mm. to be vulnerable myself, share stuff, it makes you feel less ashamed because there's so much shame with like struggling with mental health issues and stuff like that. So I know the benefits of it, but then when you get to bit, we go, well, how do you do that? You think, I don't think that a lot of my mates, there's certain mates I've got that I know they the worst possible thing would be for me to call up and say, mate, how are you feeling? Right. Yeah. And they'd go, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. And I'd, if I then followed it up with the, the dreaded words, no, mate, 
How are you really? Yeah, yeah okay. They yeah, were double take. Oh no! This is a disaster. I'm gonna have to cancel this whole thing. And because nowadays I bang on, I've got what I call mental health Tourette's, <laughs> yeah. and everyone knows I do this pod and write shit, and it's like, oh fuck, he's always on about stuff. Yeah. They're probably every time I spend time with certain mates, they're probably thinking, oh god, here I, comes Professor Delaney. I, I, I hope Sam doesn't start asking me <laughs> difficult questions about my childhood. <laughs> right? I hope we can just Are talk you about football. Too much, mate? Yeah, exactly. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, if he doesn't start judging me, or yeah, can't we just talk about football or bollocks like we always used to? So I'm quite conscious of that. But yeah, I suppose what it is 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 I I re- I don't feel comfortable saying it with a lot of people. I mean, even with you, I wouldn't necessarily. I've got certain roommates, and you're one of them, who I do know that I, it's, it's possible to open up with. Yeah. But the kind of real, tell me how you're actually feeling. Yeah. But so when you know, said picking up the phone to your mate, yeah, and saying, oh yeah. I quite like that because you don't actually need to ask the question, do this, you? I think that's the important thing. And this is like, I can tell you this because it's an example that I've got from this yeah. week. But I didn't call up and say to this mate, you know, how are you doing? I thought you weren't looking so good or sounding so mm-hmm. good. How are you? Or any of those questions. I just picked up the phone and asked him what, you know, just said, hello, good to see you. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? Just thought, you know, we didn't get to talk much. So I thought I'd see if you're around. Turns out he's over here working in Shepherd's Bush because he lives in East London, right? And he's over here, so we've like we've we've gone and we've arranged, uh, you know, to go for a bit of food or whatever after work's finished. Yeah. So it just sort of like comes a bit naturally, and you just it's about as well with any friendship. If you leave it for an amount of time, it becomes harder and harder to make that connection anyway. Doesn't you know it? what? You're so, making me think. One of my oldest oldest mates who I. Um, uh, I've actually written about before in the reset I wrote a story about him a few weeks ago he's, he's called Joe he's like amazing bloke and like one of those mates that you know when you think about when you're teenagers and basically you are all assholes to each other yeah. when you think about your teenage you years as a bloke years, my God. you yeah. think about and these are lads that I'm still friends with today and who I you know I love these are guys that I love but I will tell you we were absolute 100% assholes to each other incessantly yeah. throughout our teens right, right? But this one bloke, Joe, I had a special connection with him from a, from when I first became friends with him when we were 11 and started secondary school. He was the first sort of new mate I made right. at secondary school because he was there was something about him. He was built differently because from day one, he just didn't get involved in that shit. Right. He had this sort of confidence where he never felt the need to basically be an asshole to anyone. He had right? self-esteem, what? Yeah, is that what it is? I don't know what it is. Is that what it is? So, I reckon. Do you think when you're being an arsehole, it's that you've got low self-esteem and you're trying to protect yourself, make yourself feel better? I think, so. I think about that a lot because of my own behaviours and I think that's what it comes down to is you're mm. not happy with yourself so you try and make someone else's life a bit miserable. Yeah, oh, it's a bit like getting the first punch in as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I feel really exposed and I feel that at any moment someone's going to attack me yeah. or find me out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you think, oh God, I'm faking it here or something and so you think what I'll do is I'll get the first punch in yeah exactly maybe it's that but or the, even like in a work situation like if you think someone's better than you you might like get a bit of a knife in behind their back or something with a, with a mate at the water, yeah, you know yeah. when you're getting a coffee you know that sort of behaviour where you're taking other people down to make yourself feel better yeah exactly that, that and that is I mean it's a shame really to think that it goes on in particular with teenage boys any any lad from any sort of background that you speak to They'll all say the same. I never have met anyone who I wouldn't say, oh, 
you know, you're a, it, we're all arseholes to each other when we're lads, yeah. when we're teenagers, and everyone just goes, yep, yeah. exactly right, <laughs> yeah. And you think, that what's the shame about that is it means that all teenage boys are suffering from a self-esteem crisis. <laughs> Probably. I mean, from my experience of one, mm. yeah, you know, yeah. I was very, yeah, I was uncomfortable with a lot of stuff then. And like nowadays, I think I'm just about starting to get into a place where I've got some orientation around like what my, sort of like what my head says to me versus like what is actually going on sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, because I am better now at understanding that the crisis that is created in my head, mm. but, and it can be really simple stuff. Like if I, I remember like sending sometimes at work an email and I needed, mm. or I wanted someone to respond and it may have not even been an important thing. It may have been more of a social thing, mm. you know, and, uh, and they didn't get a response to me sort of uh, within the next hour, then that day, you know, that sort of thing would like eat away at my mm. mind. And mm. now I can just be a bit more relaxed about it. It's like, well, either they're busy, they're doing something, or perhaps they don't actually want to engage with this thing that I've got. Mm. But so what? Do you know mm. what I mean? I can't control everyone. Mm. And I think there's that sort of mentality about, you know, when you're young, especially, you know, you don't, you've got very little reference apart from your parents about like how life goes about and depending on your parents you know mm. you've got some uh, you could might have some screwy ideas of <laughs> how things operate you know what I mean? yeah yeah it's um it's a real shame that and you sort of think god almighty like my son's 10 and we've started looking at primary uh, secondary schools just this week we went to look at a new secondary school and i can tell you you're you know so it stirs something inside of you that takes you right back to that age because you suddenly think of your son mm. who's you know he's still kind of like a kid and we're really good mates and and he, you know he's a sweet he's a sensitive guy mm. you know I mean my son I hope you won't mind me saying this hopefully you'll never hear it but he still will if he's if someone's hurt him mm. or like either verbally or physically mm. my son will still he'll still cry yeah and I don't want to be the sort of daddy who goes, don't cry. Don't cry, yeah. Don't cry. <laughs> don't let them see you cry. Because <laughs> I think, the, do you know what? It's lovely. But, but fucking hell, you know, you're walking around. I take him to his secondary school. We're walking around. And I remember going on a tour of my secondary school before I started it. And you, you still feel like you're a kid. And you walk into these classrooms where yeah. there's a lesson going on. Yeah. And you see these kids who look like fucking like men, men yeah. right yeah. and they all look round yeah. and my lad's standing there in his shorts and his like Star Wars t-shirt or yeah. something and you know and I'm eyeballing these kids yeah. something you could don't back, you fucking dare yeah. son right? not, this one's not for you <laughs> right but actually he was quite cool with it and I thought that's great but you know he's a sensitive lad and then it, it makes you start thinking shit like right I'm really very proud of my son because he's sensitive and smart, but he's a laugh as well. And, you know, that's great. But you start to think awful things. Like you think, uh, he's got one more year before he starts. And maybe I do need to start encouraging him to sort of try to hold back tears when he's, right, when he's okay. falling out. Or yeah. try. And that's when you start to think. And then now you you pointed out this interesting point about the way we feel about ourselves when we're younger. And I'm thinking, well, maybe that's where it comes from because he's pretty relaxed in his own skin at the moment. Yes. And there's going to come a point. It could be me. I hope it's not me who says something, or maybe just experience will teach him how, the way you are is not good enough it's for not you to cope. Yeah. It, it's, it's not acceptable, or even 
if it is acceptable, unfortunately, real life means that you are going to have to compromise who you are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In order to survive. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just it's it's hurtful. I may well be overthinking it, but that you know, it, it stirs up a lot of memories about yourself and how you handle school. I mean, going back to my mate Joe, I, I was thinking of him because I did. I, we we don't see or speak to each other as much as we should. And that's both of our faults, probably. And actually, earlier this year, I did call him up because I know he'd had struggles in recent years for various reasons. And I just called him out of the blue, and I got a buzz out of it. We had a long chat, and afterwards, I was bu- I was just buzzing. Nice, yeah. Because we just had a nice chat. We talked about everything from serious stuff to do with family or health or whatever. But then we'd just been taking the e supports Arsenal. We we'd go back to like just having a bit of a banter about football clubs and stuff. Yeah. And I was just felt so great because it feels so great to reconnect with someone and that way that you so easily slip back into conversations that that are very friendly. But the um uh, I'm feeling guilty because I was supposed to go and see him and then I cancelled a couple of times and then you've reminded me now that I've actually been a shit mate. But going back to the way he was, he was probably the only kid I knew at an early age who actually I would be a dick I would be I wasn't one of the worst but I was no means one of the best I was like somewhere in the middle I feel like I was a sensitive kid but sometimes I would be yes basically scared and therefore I'd be very mouthy and taking the piss and he just never felt the need to be like that and it's really interesting but to be honest I've always thought there's a practical reason for that. aside from that he's from a very nice family and he had this really nice mum and stepdad and it was one of those houses where you felt there was a lot of love and warmth and that makes a difference to a person's personality and character but also in all honesty he was the best looking boy in the year yeah and he was also very good footballer and all-round sportsman okay yeah and those two things those will help yourself they help and i yeah exactly (laughs) and i can't that's not a very useful thing to tell anyone (laughs) because that meant that he could afford to not be a wanker yeah that's quite you could yeah no but i mean let's not make that assumption though Mm. because yeah i mean he probably had his own problems but yeah those things help those things help don't they i mean it makes me think of um what you're talking about was down around that time about family and about sort of um, sort of how you're brought up. Now, I remember distinctly having looked back at this. There's you can look at my school reports and you get up to the age where my parents were together. They split up, my parents, mm. right? And you see me before and after. I never th- acknowledged this until like mm. a few years ago, right? And I was just going through some stuff. My behaviour completely changed. I, I think that security around it changed. Mm. And then I spent a lot of time, I mean, I spent many years there and just sort of like doing things that I didn't really, I knew I didn't want to do. I was quite a geeky little mm. sort of like boy and I quite enjoyed learning. Mm. I sort of put all that away and like really got into the like the drinking and the sort mm. of like, you know, cool, you know, just being a bit more being a dick, annoying. A dick. <laughs> exactly. And uh, which I, I never felt that comfortable with. Mm. But I just played that role for a long time, and um, and that's that. That's sort of like, and and I think it's coming. You know, now a bit older, and this sort mm. of journey we're talking about is about getting to know yourself a bit better, being more comfortable. I think yourself. that's really interesting that you can look back and trace that because it's a, it's a horrible thing. My parents were. I, I you know, after whom I was lucky because my parents split up when I was so young. I don't even remember them being together. Yeah. I think I was like a baby. Yeah. But I had three older brothers who were much older than me and they were at terrible ages when my parents split up I think they were like sort of nine 
one was nine, one was ten, one was eleven, something like that. Yeah. And that was a pretty bad time. Mm. And uh, and certainly, you know, they were they were you know they're intelligent blokes and and you know and sensitive and you know creative and all of those things, but. I know that their school careers just went to shit either with a mixture mm. of troublemaking, drugs, yeah. truancy, and it's so exactly like say there's such a clear link yeah. between the moment my parents split up. But I don't know where that comes. Is well, that because just never, a sense of insecurity? I don't know because I never even thought about it. I never even considered it and as sort of like anything to do with anything. And you know, on the scale of traumas people go through, I guess it is. How old were you when they split? So I was about thirteen or fourteen right. or something. So it's quite. And I remember thinking uh, that my parents would never split up. And so it's yeah. quite a foundation. Yeah. You know, it rocks your foundations, especially yeah. around that age when you're starting to get a few different hormones and you're all yeah. a bit fucking all over the shop anyway um, but yeah it was looking back at those school reports and I like, just seeing like the difference between yeah it was even like I remember my uh, I, I'd learned the drums and my, mm. like, my reports going from like he's doing really well da 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 he's not, he's not turned up again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, so age 12 is like, Dan is a great he's learner got, and he's shining his arms through the school. Yeah, following you, he's not Dan is a dickhead. <laughs> he's, he's barely ever here and he's behaving like an arsehole. Yeah, oh god, it's it's awful, isn't it? But um, it's you get a real buzz when you learn to like because even after that, you know, I develop you develop and you do become less of an arsehole when you. For instance, I think you, you know. You, I think you have to learn to be. You have to learn to be. You can't go around acting like you did when you were a teenager exactly. if you want to hold down a job no. or a relationship. Exactly. Relationships make a huge difference. Yeah, thank God. I for mean, my wife, yeah. yeah, you know, whoever whoever it is you end up in a relationship with, they're often like a calming influence, and also just like, you know, you you just start to you know very quickly understand certain elements of your behaviour are just unacceptable yeah. but also that's another one about talking to people mm. right because it, often I would hide things from my wife and like, mm. you know I wouldn't want to discuss things that were troubling me because I was worried I was going to get in trouble from her as yeah. well but actually yeah. like she's my most important person to go yeah. to now when I've got an issue that's making me uncomfortable rather than just bottling it up and making a bad decision which inevitably mm. I would do inevitably I'd go Ah oh, fuck it! I'm just going to do this. Yeah, it yeah. turns out to be a t- terrible idea. You know, having that person, and it doesn't have to be your wife. It can be your friend. It can be someone that you know. That's why this connection, that talking, it, you know, going full circle to that phone call that we talked about. Yeah. It's like being in contact with someone, getting outside of your own head, and getting an out outside perspective is really helpful. Well, this is the sort of stuff that we want to try and tap into on the Club Reset podcast. And we'll, um, in, in weeks to come, we'll have other friends on the pod. Um, uh, maybe there'll be people who've been guests before on the Reset. Maybe there'll be new voices that we're introducing. But, you know, just to share this sort of stuff, because, you know, we think, I mean, even this conversation with you now, we're recording it, but I've certainly, I've, I've found it helpful. It's also, yeah, it's actually genuinely given me things to think about yes. that I hadn't really thought about for. And hopefully that will do the same for you guys listening. And we want to build a community out of this. We'll chat about this stuff online. Perhaps even some of you have got stories to tell and you can join us on the podcast some weeks because it's all about group sharing as opposed to just a two-way interview. But I think, you know, what me and Dan want to do and the other people will be joined by is just, you know, talk about different themes that we think affect a lot of blokes, encourage opening up about it, 
because I think you touched on something really important there that we'll return to is secrecy is a real killer sometimes literally I mean you know having secrets inside of you is so painful and so dangerous and certainly you and I we haven't talked about this today but we will do in future weeks we're both recovering addicts and certainly when you have that kind of secret it's very very dangerous because if you feel that no one knows about it it's a bit like you know one knows him what's the phrase if a bear what is it if a bear shit no it's not if a bear shits in the woods <laughs> there's a phrase like that Does it, if, if no one sees it is it actually happening uh, is, I think is, that's, is the shit there is the shit there I've got that completely <laughs> muddled up but you know what I mean it's that thing if no one knows like basically if no one knows I'm having this drink yeah. then it doesn't hurt anyone yeah, right yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which of course it's bollocks it does hurt you and everyone else around <laughs> you uh, but those are the sort of things you tell yourself and the, the truth really does set you free. That's something that I, I know that we've both definitely learned yeah. in our recovery from addictions. And it's why we're both more happy, content and relaxed people today. Telling the truth about yourself and your problems. Um, it can really set you free. It can chill you out. It can be the biggest relief in the world. The weight off your shoulders of just saying, yeah, I've got a problem. Uh, and also, listen, this isn't going to be an earnest sort of discussion group every week. Also, it can be very entertaining to tell your own truth yeah. and hear to others as well. <laughs> let's never rule out. We've both experienced, let's say, a lot of group therapy in various forms. And I have to be very honest, it's very effective. But I tell you what, Dan, it can be fucking funny as well. It can be hilarious because the things that you do, whether you're younger, you know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got some things that they're not proud of but when you're in the right environment and people are on the same wavelength and you share this stuff that you've done oh my god it's uh, yeah it's incredible the only thing i'd add to what you said before about that truth setting you free is yes and um but with that consciousness of not hurting others when you do it you've got to be respectful of other people's uh boundaries you know when your stories impact other people's you know, don't go and tell us, tell, you know, don't unburden yourself at the cost of someone else's uh, happiness. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so listen, guys, thank you for listening. We hope you subscribe. Um, it'll be me and Dan and a collection of other interesting blokes with stories to tell and struggles that they've been through, all sharing conversations that we hope will be entertaining, but most of all kind of helpful to anyone else who's going through this shit. Let's be honest, all of us are on one level or another, so yeah. we might as well help each other out. Okay, so till next time, thanks for listening. Cheers, sir. If you want to upgrade to the Reset Extra for this exclusive pod series and tons of other useful stuff, then do so now at hubwave.net or samdelaney.substack.com. It's paid subscriptions that keep the Reset going, so give it a go if you can. Cheers.